the CRO Spotlight Podcast, powered by the Sales IQ Network. Hi, and welcome to the CRO Spotlight Podcast. I'm Warren Zeno from the CRO Collective, and I'm here with my co-host, Lupe Feld. Hey, Lupe. Hey, Warren. This is Lupe Feld, and I'm glad to be here with you. So this podcast is really for aspiring CROs and CEOs and uh, current CROs whom are interested in learning from not only us, but the great guests that we're going to have. We're here to tell you that there's other areas of the business that can drive revenue, and we're going to look and inspect and come up with some great ideas for us to bring in as much revenue as we can and drive some meaningful change for the business. So uh, tune in. We have some exciting opportunities coming up for uh, really amazing conversations. And uh, any B2B leaders, I think you're really going to enjoy it. So thanks for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you. Welcome to the CRO Spotlight Podcast. I'm really excited today. Hey, hey Lupe, how are you doing today? Good, good. Excited to have Monique on. <laughs> yeah, same, same. So let's introduce our guest. I'm really excited to have Monique Pinterelli. She's the Chief Revenue Officer at Teeds. Uh, Teeds is actually a former vendor of mine. So when I was working at Havas, I worked with Teeds and uh, they're an amazing company. And uh, she's tasked with overseeing the operations of the entire U.S. team including sales, a creative strategy and customer experience insights, as well as marketing. Since joining the business in October, 2018, Monique's has been wide ranging. And over the last three years, she rebuilt and skittied's entire West Coast operation. And she led her team to the fastest revenue growth across the company globally. And overall, Teed's West Coast business grew 80% in 2021 and is 309% since Monique's arrival. It's really impressive. And underpinning Teed's growth, Monique has made significant achievements in three areas, growing revenue sources, maximizing strategic partnerships, and recruiting and retaining talent. Prior to Teed's, Monique was a VP of sales at Viant. I know that company well. They were also a vendor of mine, a great company, great people there, where she helped clients leverage data and technology to achieve marketing goals. She started her career at Turner Broadcasting, where she spent 15 years in various roles there, TV and digital performance and marketing, CNN, TBS, and Turner Sports. After working and living in New York City for 13 years, she resides in Los Angeles with her husband and two children. And it's great to have you here, Monique. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you so much, Warren and Lupe. Nice to be here. Well, congratulations. What an incredible career path you've had and phenomenal results. So I think our listeners are going to be really excited to hear some of your you know, secrets to your success and the results that you've been able to deliver continuously. And I think that's the key there is that continuous ability to deliver results and, and uh, duplicate that. Yeah, Thank I'd you. like to talk about that, Monique. It's a really good point. When you think about the progression you made throughout your career, what are some of the things that you felt were consistent that you held fast to that got you to get the results that we just described? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I've worked at three companies in my career now, which is not many in the world of ad tech. That's true. Uh, that is that is really amazing. Most of my friends have worked at like, you know, 10 or 12 companies or so on. Yeah. And I think that there's a, a lesson in there for sure in terms of, you know, staying in a place long enough to understand how you can make impact on the business. I was I was lucky enough to start my career at at Turner Broadcasting where I spent 15 15 years and worked coast to coast and across every single brand in that portfolio 
Turner is renowned for a great training program. It's a great place to start off in the industry. It's a great it's a great place to learn everything about the business. And but I did reach a point where it was clear that um, getting a deeper knowledge in the the technical part of where the industry was going was really important. And so I made at the time was a very bold and challenging, probably the the hardest move I've made in my career was the move from from Turner Broadcasting to Viant. And I think a lesson in there is is just being willing to stretch. And in this particular situation, I actually took a step back in my career in terms of title and influence, but it was an opportunity to learn. I think about that moment a lot in terms of where I am now in my career. And I, I think about Sheryl Sandberg. She has a she has a chapter in her book, Lean In, that your career is not. It's not a ladder, it's a jungle gym and being willing to take some, some risk to learn and grow and stretch yourself. And, and that move to Viant was, was one of those, those moments for me. I also had a great friend and mentor that I, that I worked with for a long time that helped me make that move and, and believed in me and my ability to learn the industry of, of ad tech. So Many, many learnings and things along the way there. I stayed at, at Viant for four years where I ended up taking over the West Coast business and operations, rebuilt the team, rebuilt the business, left it in, in a really strong and, and beautiful place when I ultimately left to join Teeds, which was about three and a half years ago. So it sounds like a loyalty, stability, consistency, because I, look, I... I, I respect that. I, I had a lot of jobs. I've had probably more than I should have had. I, I get bored easily, which is why I prefer working for myself. But some of that's worked at companies for like 15 years, working your way through an organization like that, especially big corporations, and then working for tech. What what was it that had you make that decision? Why did you move from a big corporate to a technology company? And what was that risk like? Yeah, it, it was, like I said, it, it was the hardest thing I've done in my career, even up until this point and moving into this role of, of CRO and that it was very humbling because I had to learn so much, but I could see what was happening in the industry. My last role at Turner was focused on more of the performance marketing space. I was helping to guide some of the early stage program efforts within the organization. And it there are so many benefits to working for a big company uh, like Turner. I learned so much and you're exposed to so much, but but they don't move fast. <laughs> and <laughs> to put it lightly. So I was really excited about the opportunity to work for a smaller, more nimble organization where I could feel like I was really making a lot of direct impact on where we were going and how we could get there. And so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of benefit to having both experiences in, in your career. And I would put Teeds kind of in the middle of those two experiences where we're certainly not as big as a, a Warner Media, but Teeds is a global organization. We operate in 27 countries and we were definitely larger in terms of size and, and scope and scale. And so the, the experiences in both of those places have really helped guide me in, in what I'm doing today. That's great. I, I think, you know, the diversity of the size and scope of the roles, I think, gets uh, kind of test, pressure test both ends of your, your experience. You know, one of the things that 
you know, when Warren mentioned, you know, the results and the consistency, you know, what role do you think culture plays in your ability to drive continuous results? You know, as we're kind of in the, you know, the current stage of kind of our work and economic environment, you know, things are tough right now. People are are struggling to retain talent. And so you're kind of rebooting and restarting all the time. And so I think one of the valuable things that kind of I've heard through your longevity was not just the ability for you to stay, but to have the consistency to build and have engagement and culture through your team. So I would love to hear a little bit about that. Yes, I believe that that culture and a people first culture is everything. It's at the cornerstone of, of everything. It's what I think about when I wake up and what I think about when I'm going to bed at night, which is to make sure that we are recruiting and, and retaining top talent across the organization. It's one of those things that everybody wants to do, but it's hard to do. And I think, first of all, strong talent attracts more strong talent. And it becomes this sort of like flywheel of, of culture building. So you want to make sure that with each hire that you're making, that you're, that you're really thoughtful with who you're bringing into the organization, because each one of those hires can be multipliers for the types of, of talent and people that you can bring into the organization. Also top talent are often, they have high expectations when you're bringing in really talented, strong, diverse people, you have to be willing to sort of leave your ego at the door, be challenged, know that you're not always going to be the smartest person in the room, but that, you know, your job is to bring out the strengths of everyone around you. And I'm constantly thinking about how to make the sum greater than the parts. And I, I mean, I, I think about my role a lot as kind of like a conductor in an orchestra where I have all these like amazingly talented musicians all around me and most of them better at things than I am. But my job is to make sure that they're working together in harmony and we're creating some magic together uh, across the business. So yes, I mean, culture, it, it truly is at the, the cornerstone of everything that we do. Well, love that perfect. analogy so much. Yeah, exactly. Orchestra. I kind of think about that a lot. And I agree, which kind of brings me to a question, which is the CRO role and that you're in right now. I'm curious what your two things. One is what's your general view of a CRO role is and how the role is being implemented at the company that you're at right now. And like, what's the sort of, I guess, you know, operational, functional, organizational way in which the CRO role is being you know, utilized in your organization in comparative to like maybe even your own perception of what the role is. I'd be curious to hear about that. Yeah. So, so chief revenue officer, I'm, I'm obviously in charge of, of all things related to revenue generation. It is the CRO role in and of itself is, is a new one for the company, which is an opportunity for me to sort of make it as I see fit to find the success that I that I'm, that I'm charged with finding, but I am obviously in charge of all things, top line revenue focused, but also I'm always working toward managing just overall EBITDA and, and profitability for the organization as well. One of the things that I think is really helping in my overall 
job and responsibilities and scope of work is, is that I do have oversight over a lot of the core functions of the business. And so that's everything from sales to strategy, to our customer experience team, to marketing, to the way we're approaching research and insights. And so my responsibility is to make sure that we have all of these people, all of these processes, all of these functions working together in harmony to achieve all of the, the revenue and financial goals of the organization. So, you know, as I think about someone that might be thinking about yeah. or in the process of interviewing for a chief revenue officer role, you obviously have the perfect scenario. You have oversight of all of the different components and pieces. As you were interviewing for the role, how did you determine that that was what the role was? Because a lot of times, you know, people see a chief revenue officer role and it's just literally a glorified sales VP of sales. It really has no oversight or doesn't even touch the strategy piece or the marketing piece or the customer success piece. Did you ask some questions around that? And what were those questions? I think that's something that's important in the success of a CRO. Yes, I did. It was important for me to feel like I could have a seat at the table and the influence over all of the core business functions that were needed in order to, to be successful. And the worst thing you can have within an organization is, is silos that, that have different goals at the end of the day. And so one of the first things that I, I did in, in this role is to sort of identify where the log jams were across the, across the organization. And prior to having a CRO role in place, we were operating very much as a business on a regional level. And there was a lot of value to that in some ways. So we had a, a strong East Coast team, Midwest team, and, and West Coast team. And I think the, the focus on, on strengthening the regional approach helped get our business to a certain level. But in order to take the business to the next level, we had to create a structure and, and processes where we were, were learning and from each other, we're sharing best practices, and we're figuring out how to scale up and level up the business in the right way. And that requires free flowing of information and collaboration. I assigned some, some new people into the organization, promoted people into different roles that had more national scope and what their, their focus was, which was helpful. Now, none of this is possible if you don't have a really great partner in your CEO. And I'm- yeah, I was, But I was going to ask you that question. That's exactly what I wanted to hear about. So thank you for saying so. Yes, a, a critical. And so, so my boss is the global co-CEO of Teeds. So he, his responsibility is across the Americas, as well as heading up a lot of what we're doing from, from a, a tech and product standpoint as well. And he's a great partner and was a great partner from day one in terms of scoping out what this role would be and helping me ensure that we're, we're setting things up for success from day one. So definitely an important part in the puzzle. So that's interesting. So it sounds to me like your CEO had a really clear and I'd say aligned understanding of the role as you did when you came on board. Was there any disagreement in terms of the role or were you completely aligned and there was very little disagreement? 
I'm curious what that was like. We definitely had some uh, healthy debate on, you know, some of the business functions like marketing, for example, and whether or not it made sense for marketing to to roll in. Um, So I I wouldn't say we, you know, it was all harmonious from the very first second. Yep. Uh, But definitely some good, good, healthy debate that ultimately landed us, I think, in into the right structure. Good. Good. A lot of the people I speak to, there's a lot of discord and uh, disagreement on what the role is. As Lupe said earlier, most of my clients have the issue where they're being hired to run sales. So it's a good thing that you're sort of been given kind of the keys, as it were. To the organization. So I'm curious then when you mentioned things like you did an assessment and you had to look where the leaks were, et cetera. I, I don't want to get in the weeds too much. I'm just curious to know what your, what your process was for that. Like, what did you do? How did you undertake that analysis and what types of things were you looking at? The process is definitely a combination of art and science and the science piece being, you know, have a, a great partner, on the finance side of the business, a great partner on the business analytic side of the business. So making sure that we're, I have good a good view into all of the data to understand, you know, what's working and what's not from a numbers perspective. So where are we winning? Where are we losing? What products are doing better than others? What regions? What categories? All of those, you know, different data points that can help paint a picture of where we need to lean in more and where we need to make some changes. So there's there's the science piece, which was, is very data-driven. There's the art piece, which is really a lot of listening and just meeting with people across the team, hearing their perspective on what's working, what's not working, what the business needs. And f- my style in general is that I, I need to be in it Uh, myself. So I can really feel good about the decisions that we're making for the business. So I've just been spending a lot of time with a lot of people across the organization to make sure that we have the right, the right systems and processes in place and the right people in place across, across the teams. I I was just going to say, it's not common to see a female CRO. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about your journey and how you were able to kind of navigate through uh, the obstacles that, you know, are definitely in the way of uh, a lot of women getting into that C-suite. Yeah. I mean, Warren told me the stat was only 11, 11%, something like that. Yeah. It's crazy. Which is, which was wild for me to think about, especially considering how many unbelievably talented women there are. No, no, no the, doubt. No doubt about it. So uh, that feels like a big responsibility on a number of fronts and a great challenge at the same time as well. I, you know, I think supporting women in general is a, is a passion of mine in business, but women in ad tech specifically too, I think it is an, is an area where I I think about quite often, we're making great strides at TEEDS specifically, I can say. We now, we just did a survey recently. We now have 54% of our leadership team is female and that's director and above across our our US business, which is really exciting. But to get to this place, Lupe, it's a good question. I think it's a combination of a lot of, a lot of hard work, 
a lot of sacrifice for sure, a lot of willingness to do jobs that maybe other people didn't want to do and take some risks along the way in that process. So a few examples of that for myself specifically, you know, getting promoted to VP at an organization like Turner is hard. You have a lot of people vying for the same roles. I ultimately took a role in our direct response and, and performance marketing team, which was a totally different part of the business than I had ever worked in before. And I was willing to do it because I, I wanted to grow in my career on all fronts. And that ended up being such an important move for me because it led the way to opening my eyes about programmatic and the role of, of data and ROI-based tactics for marketers. And previous to that, it was I was really focused on branding overall. And then the next um, move was just the willingness to, to take that job at Viant, which again was kind of a step back in terms of title. I, I think you want to have good mentorship and sponsorship along the way. You want to have strong, you know, female partnership and, and men, mentorship. So I can tell you one of the core ways that I've continued to grow in my career is to surround myself with a lot of really talented, strong women, because it's inspiring for, for me and, and we inspire each other and we challenge each other. We started a women's organization in LA. We call it Media Moms. And it's all women who are moms that have big leadership type roles in the organization or in the industry. And we've helped each other a lot. We've helped each other get promoted. We've hired each other. We've supported each other through challenging times. But that, that circle of networking and support has also been really critical in my career. So a lot of hard work, sacrifice, willingness to do to do jobs that other people don't want to do. Obviously, in addition to that, you have to show results. So, and that that comes from you know all of the things I said before in terms of hiring the right people and and putting in the work and having the right strategies. But when you show results, that also helps a lot too. Doesn't hurt. That's for sure. <laughs> Does not hurt. No. So curious, this uh, organization. I mean, is there like, is it how formal is it? Is it just a kind of a loose collection or is there actually like a sort of like a website or a way other women can know about it? Is there, is there a closed thing? I mean, it sounds really like it could be a great resource for women in the California area to, to get involved. It's, it's pretty informal at this point. We've talked a lot about potentially formalizing it in, in the future, but for now it's been just kind of, it's almost like, you know, you hear leaders talk about their creating their board of directors. Yeah. Right. It's it's kind of like that. We serve as that for each other um, in terms of industry advice, career advice. We support each other through business as well, you know, figuring out ways that we can support each other's business and the and the things that we do. So yeah, it's pretty informal, not something I could, you know, Understood. tell everyone about, but more it's more about encouraging, I think women that are listening to, to create your own board of directors, your own sort of support system where you surround yourself with powerful, strong, successful women. And, and just by doing that alone, I think it helps propel your, your career forward. That's a good idea. I think it's a great idea to create local communities like that. You know, I'm curious about something. If you were talking, let's say there's a 
aspiring CROs listening to this right now, women in particular, who are in sales leadership roles or in roles similar to the ones you've had before you became a CRO that are considering being part of that, turning it into like 15% or making it 20%, right? What are some things that you might say to them or offer them in terms of maybe ideas or guidance that would help them navigate that decision? So in things that they could focus on to help them. In the, it could be either in professional development, could be things they should be thinking about, should be things that you've learned along the way, you know, a general overview of how would a uh, aspiring CRO right now approach making that leap from likely a sales leadership role like you had into a CRO role? So I think my one of my biggest pieces of advice would be to understand the financials of how your company is working as much as possible. So looking at the macro level elements of the business and get to know your CFO maybe and understand how they're measuring success for the business. And the, the deeper you can get into kind of data analysis and financial knowledge, I think all of those skill sets help take you from simply kind of sales leadership into more of a CRO type role. Also, just C-suite communication skills in general is a good one. So understanding how to communicate your, your, your point of view concisely in a way that is, is heard from, from the C-suite who are typically moving really fast. So you want to be able to help demonstrate that you have the ability to understand what's going on, synthesize it quickly, and, and develop actionable plans quickly for them. And, and through that, just showing that you understand the macro, the big picture of, of the business, understanding the importance of connecting the dots of all the different elements of the business and pulling them together in a way that helps propel the business forward. You know, that's your job as a CRO is really understanding what the business is about and then demonstrating how you can drive growth at the end of the day and, and all the different components that, that pull into that. You know, you make a great point because I think, you know, so often, you know, you wish that there was an internship to kind of get you ready for the role. But if you are aspiring to be a CRO, you have to show up ready. And a lot of the times it includes areas of the business that may not be natural or you've had exposure to. And so unless you prepare yourself, you're really going to put yourself at a deficit to show up and demonstrate that you are the candidate of choice. So I think that's great advice. Yeah, they, you know, you always hear you need to do the job that you want to have, not just the job that you have right now. So there's a lot of opportunities, I think, throughout your career where you have the opportunity to do that and raise your hand for stretch assignments, be curious about what's going on with the business beyond just your, your, your current scope. And through that process, you learn and you also connect with different people across the organization and making a decision to hire a CRO, create a CRO role, and, and ultimately the decision on who will be that person is, is typically a decision made by many stakeholders within the organization. 
And that's a learning that I came that I came to on the other side of this is all of the people that had input into the decision for me to take on this role. So I'm really proud of, of the work I've done across the organization in terms of collaborating across offices around the world, across functions. And you learn, you grow, you connect, and it ultimately can help move your career forward too at the same time. Yeah, that's a great point. I think, you know, as you look at the different areas of the business, I think everybody wants to feel like the CRO moving into the position will one, have an understanding of the role and two, be a sponsor of their function. And and so those relationships and that knowledge is key. So yeah, some great advice, some great advice. Thank you, Monique. That's really good. I think we'll, we'll close it up with another follow-up question is, so speaking to CEOs who are thinking about hiring a chief revenue officer for their company, right? they're in the process of establishing, I don't know, they're at a point where they feel the company's reached a certain level of, I don't know, complexity or whatever the case may be, or maybe not. And they're thinking about bringing on their first ever chief revenue officer. What are some things that you think a CEO would benefit from your experience in thinking about bringing one on and making that CRO succeed? Well, I think the benefit is that you have someone who is focused every day, all day on driving revenue and financial success across the organization. So I would imagine that that is something that most CEOs would find a lot of value in, in and of Mm -hmm. itself. So that is definitely my North star in, in everything that I'm doing. And the only way that, that it works is with true partnership with the CEO. And, you know, I, I shared some of my thoughts around that already, but working together to scope out the role properly, to make sure that you have influence across all of the key organizations all of the key functions within the organization so that you can be set up for success from day one. Great. Well, great. you have another question, Lupe? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things that I heard you say initially was that you had some healthy debate. And, and I think, yeah. you know, I, I kind of want to double click on that a little bit because during an interview, sometimes people are on their best behavior. You know, they want to answer the question. They want to cross, they want to come across as, you know, the ideal candidate. And they don't necessarily want to seem difficult, but I think it's it's a missed opportunity if you don't pressure test the flexibility, the openness of thinking of the CEO. And I think you did that well from what you described. And so how did you manage that process? I guess it would be the, you know, maintaining it healthy and not tipping it over into combative or, or not keeping it too passive and not asking the questions. Yeah, well... One of the values of our organization is we operate with openness. So that's helpful because I I have a boss, a CEO, who it's a normal part of the way that we function as a leadership team in a business to have some healthy debate. And I I think that that's where you, you create the right type of culture to actually win and succeed. But when you're in the process of, of interviewing or scoping out the role, if you're not asking those kind of provocative questions and challenging on some of those things from the very beginning, you're missing an opportunity you're missing an opportunity to shape what things can become. You're missing the opportunity to use your voice and make sure that your CEO is comfortable with the fact that like, that's what your relationship is going to be like and never combative and never disrespectful. 
always with the first and last lens of which, you know, the, the ideas are, are coming is always through what's best for the business. So never from a place of ego, right? Like uh, it's not a power play. It's a, what is best for the business and the healthy functioning of the business that's going to help us achieve what we collectively want to achieve, which is is success and growth for the business. That's great. I'm sure, you know, um, as you're th- as, as you know, our listeners are thinking through this or if they're going through the process, you know, I see kind of a, a win-win opportunity because one, you get to understand the job and what you'll have the flexibility to do. But also, you know, the CEO and the candidate get to validate that the job listed is the job that you both want and the candidate that you do want. So I think that's great. So thank you for that. Yes. Yep. Great. Well, I, that that does it. I think we, we've covered everything here. And this has been really amazing. You've really some great insights here. So thank you very much for being with us today, Monique. Great. Well, it was it was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for, for having me. And it was an opportunity for me to think, you know, I'm, I'm fairly new into this role. So it was an opportunity to sort of think and reflect and, and it was, it was helpful. So, so thank you. Some great advice. So thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.